0: Are the Browns on offense and defense playing too safe? The link may be perhaps between Joe Flacco and Baker Mayfield. All of that coming on your latest Locked On Browns. You are Locked On Browns. Your daily Cleveland Browns
1: podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the L-O-B. Locked On Browns, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, the show itself, at Locked On Browns. We appreciate everybody for making Locked On Browns your first listen. Each and every day, whatever podcast platform you use, always available, always free. We're going to sit down here today with Bleacher Report's Brent Sobleski. We're going to go through... Th- through some things, uh, start you know turning the page towards this Sunday. Um, burying last Sunday in New England is probably not the worst idea in the world and getting away from that as fast as possible. Um, first things first, Brent, look, five and five after 10, obviously certainly not what many people expected of this team. But the one thing right now, and you can kind of whitewash everything to this point, is you have 12 teams in the AFC right now, Brent, that are 500 or better. There's seven games to go. You still have the crucial two games with the Ravens. You still have two more within the division, one with the Steelers, one with the Bengals. But there's a lot of work to be done to correct things. But as much as as deflating as Sunday was in New England, you got to look at position and look at where you're at and say, you want to know it in spite of all that, we can still correct this.
1: Absolutely. And look after some Sunday's performance, we understand this team is nowhere near what the expectations have placed them to be entering this season and that's that's just the reality of the situation and it's not necessarily because of the team itself you have injuries extenuating circumstances certain individuals regressing whether we're talking about the coaching staff, whether we're talking about players on the field a bunch of mitigating factors that have really coalesced to make this a middling team the fortunate part is as you stated no there is not a dominant team in the NFL this year at all in either conference and so when you have the opportunity on a weekly basis to win a game uh, with the cliche any given Sunday that's never been more true as of this week (laughs) five teams with winning records Lost by 24 points or more. That's the first time it ever happened in NFL history. So it tells you that Cleveland isn't the only highly inconsistent team. The volatility we're seeing around the NFL expands to everyone. And so there is that possibility that once you get to the bye, once you get healthy, once you get um, rolling a little bit, that you still have an opportunity to realize your goals as an organization. Is it as good as you hoped it'd be? Absolutely not. But at this point, everything survive in advance. And considering how beat up the Cleveland Browns are, survival is the biggest part of that equation.
0: <laughs> it truly is. Um, and look, you know, look, not that you know, winning Sunday here potentially against the Lions is gonna cure you know all the ales and all the you know the oos and ahs and the boo-boos that are currently with this franchise. But like you said, it's a surviving and an advanced thing now. It ain't about pretty. It ain't about style points. But you got a very winnable game this week against a team that's probably feeling pretty high because they're not going to be able to go 0-17 and establish a record that's never been done before. But And it starts here. And look, this, the thing for me where Sunday was so difficult in New England was obviously the finger-pointing after the game. And we got to a question maybe where we're starting to – you never want to have to question effort. But I think after that performance on Sunday, you know, this team individually in team meetings, as a whole in meetings, this team needs to get on the same page because there appeared to be a lot of people that, you know, definitely checked out a little early on Sunday.
1: It was a difficult position and I'm not – because, look, we understand – that there are issues going on at the moment, and I mentioned them. And, and look, we can rattle off all the injuries, and you have a quarterback who is banged to high hell, right? And he's still trying to go Currently nursing
0: Four injuries. That's that's a
1: lot. It's, It's not an excuse. Again, it's the reality. And your expectations should be built around the reality. And you had a team in the New England Patriots who won, as we always know, is one of the best coach teams in football. Two, they're playing extremely well at the moment, and they're, and they're really hitting their stride. Three, they have the best rookie quarterback in the NFL, and it's not even close. Like it's, <laughs> he's already lapped the field, and he's well on his way to offensive rookie of the year the way he's playing at the moment. So when you when you face that, and you're struggling in many and different areas, I wouldn't necessarily call it giving up, but it's ob- it was obvious that they were outmatched. And outclassed, and so it, it, it harkens back to the bad old days of when you have talent, but that talent's not being utilized correctly, or playing properly, or living up to their living up to their talent levels. And the Detroit Lions couldn't have come at a better time. But let's be honest, this isn't an automatic win by any means. When you look at Detroit, they've played a lot of close games this year. Should have beat. Should have beat Pittsburgh. Should have beat Baltimore you have one of the best tight ends in football in T.J. Hawkinson. Their backfield's loaded with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. They even got contributions from Godwin uh, Igwebuike against the Steelers, right? They're big and physical at the offensive line, and that's a big deal. That is a significant deal because when Cleveland's really struggled this year, it's because they're losing at the point of attack, right? Whether you look at Pittsburgh that first game, Arizona, or against New England. You can only do so much with elite edge rushers. They're soft in the middle. They are tissue Charmin soft in the middle. And that's both your defensive tackles, that is your linebackers, and they're getting blown off the ball consistently. Okay. Detroit's going to pound them. They're going to come out and be physical. We can make fun of Dan Campbell all we like, and there's reasons, absolutely reasons to do so, but you know he's a throwback. You know he wants to establish the run. You know he wants to beat you up physically. So that's – it's an attitude adjustment time, right? It's a nut check. you got to show up and you got to play physical football. And it's going to be difficult because they are talented up front. And on the opposite side of the field, as much as we want to look at the Cleveland Browns and say they have the best O-line in football, and that's generally true, again – you have Blake Hansen, right tackle, who's a limiting factor in what they're trying to do offensively. Yes, they can hide some things, but he has been beaten multiple times over the last few games to really disrupt the play. If that offensive line isn't performing, you're off, your running backs aren't playing as well. Your quarterbacks aren't playing as well. Your wide receivers aren't doing much because they're not getting open on short routes. So it's, it, it's this cascading effect all from the fact that the team needs to be more physical, and better at the point of attack against those teams that can stack up against them in the trenches.
0: The Browns' last two losses, Brent, obviously against Pittsburgh and certainly this past Sunday against New England, it's you know it was a weakness to begin with. But you know the Browns at times were able to mask it. Uh, look, you get ahead, obviously you take the opportunity of running the ball away from your opponent. Um, those two games, you know that never happened. Now you go into it this week, and we look at it and look. Jared Goff is not playing well by any means whatsoever. Well, Detroit, that's great. What do we do? Well, we run the ball well, which is obviously a clearing weakness for this defense. Uh, Tommy Togiai with his first action last week looked pretty good. Um, You know, Jordan Elliott, probably better run defender than either of the Maliks. And this is an issue you have when you kind of have, you know, Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell are both, in my opinion, swing defensive linemen. And it's not that they aren't, you know, both capable and helpful and certainly, you know, have a way to assist as far as pass defense. Run defense, you know, their number has been called now, obviously, that, you know, these guys just can't anchor, they can't sustain, they can be pushed off the ball. And the worst part is is not only, you know, are they getting moved, they're getting moved into the linebackers, disrupting linebackers from, you know, doing their job. Is it time to maybe switch up the rotation here a little bit here and say, look, we might as well let the other guys do it, or at least try to do it because we know these guys aren't.
1: Yeah, well, we already saw one step in that regard with Andrew Billings' release moves. Look, I'll be the first to admit I was dead wrong about him coming out of college. I thought he was going to be significantly (laughs) better. At worst, he had the size and strength to hold the the point consistently. Nope. (laughs) So (laughs) that's your first step. And you you mentioned you brought Togi in as a response. And he played relatively well in limited roles. I mean, based on expectations. So – Let's see what they can do. And I'm not saying you have to change up the rotation. Malik Jackson is a very good veteran. He's savvy. Um, But we also have to remember where his skill set truly lies. Remember, when he came in the league and when he was at his best, he was a hybrid defensive end defensive tackle. He wasn't a full-time three technique. His capabilities and strengths were really moving all across the offensive line, finding the weak spots and exploiting them, particularly as a pass rusher. So – I like Malik McDowell as well. I think it's one of the better stories in the NFL. This is a guy that was in the wrong headspace. He crossed the law. He did his time. He redeemed himself, and he's on the field being a productive NFL player. Is he at the to the level we saw preseason? No, and he's wearing down. And again. This was not a guy who was supposed to be a one technique. He was not supposed to be the space eater. He was not supposed to be the guy taking on double teams, play after play after play. That is not his skill set. He is like six foot six, 295, 300 pounds. He's not your typical squatty nose tackle who can eat up space. And I'm not saying you have to have that guy, but you need someone that can do those similar things. And that's what they thought Billings was going to do, and he never did. And it, I don't know if it was because. He just wasn't good enough or a year off because of COVID or whatever the reason, but he's no longer with the team and you're having troubles along the defensive interior. So I, I don't mind the idea of playing the young guys and getting them more reps and seeing how they uh, how the rotation uh, evolves from there. But you got to get what you can out of what you have because there's only so many guys you can throw in there and there's only so many big bodies you got. And right now they don't have that true space eater who's going – who's going to set the tone in the middle like they really need at the
0: moment. Yeah. And it's, it's a little deflating and, you know, uh, when you have a tell, you know, teams are going to continue to exploit it. So you show that, you know, obviously you can handle it and certainly got, uh, got, got on that front Sunday in New England. We're going to continue along here with Brent Sobleski as, you know, Browns are looking to, you know, basically turn the page, flip the switch, from a terrible, terrible weekend in New England to hosting the Detroit Lions Sunday. Hey, Browns fans, this is Jeff Lloyd, with the credible app who everyone buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Again, download the app for free. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two dollars to $300 a month in cash back, and there is no cash. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just don't, I'm sorry, one more time, download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code Touch. Down. Right. Everything up. that's going on. I was on. gonna say Jeff, let me follow up on that real quick, that
1: point, because I was curious and I didn't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, so I looked real quick. Um, Jordan Elliott actually played more snaps than Blake Jackson this past week. And both he and I graded significantly better than the veterans in your starting lineup. So to your point, and what we were just discussing, if you are going to make that transition, now is probably the time to do so, just to see what you're going to get. It doesn't have to be a starting role, but if you want to continue in that rotation where the younger guys, at least compared to Jackson, um, are are getting more reps,
0: what, what's it going to hurt, essentially? <laughs> well, and my thing is, is, and part of the reason why I'm trending towards this, is if McDowell and Jackson are better at getting after the quarterback – then let's not get him beat up and pushed around in run defense. You know, at least try it. I mean, because, look, right now you're at a point now where you've got to try something. But um, there's a lot of talk here, and obviously, you know, wherever Baker's at. And, look, I'm going to be honest with everybody here. I could care less about a potential contract extension for Baker Mayfield. I don't care where that situation is at. It ain't my money. Um, And it's the Browns' decision. So where that lies, I don't care. And, look, he's here next year. So just get used to it. This is the way it's going to work. And I tried to find a situation where it could be equated. And, you know, nosing around last night, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco went into his fifth year with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, had been good, had been times where he wasn't so good. And basically, Joe Flacco went into his fifth year with the Baltimore Ravens with no extension. Joe Flacco had a great year, had an amazing playoff run. And I think it was even said during the Super Bowl when they beat the 49ers, nobody has ever put themselves in a better free agent position at the time, Joe Flacco cashed Flacco. in that March. At the time, signed that the March. highest quarterback contract in the NFL. And if you all want a good laugh, this was 2012. The highest quarterback contract in the NFL at the time ever. $120 million. Um, so, I mean, if you want to see where money goes in the league. This Baker Mayfield extension thing, this looks, this is going to be something that goes down to the 11th to the 12th hour, Brent. I mean, you know, I don't think it's going to get done. Certainly not now. I doubt it's going to get done this summer unless this team miraculously turns around their play. And you'll have a successful run through January. But it doesn't matter to me. And look, it's going to be the Browns' money versus Baker's money. But you try to find a situation here. Look, I'm worried about this season. I'm worried about Detroit. And so much of this, I think, gets caught up in Baker Mayfield long term as opposed to week to week, which is all we as people who cover this can do. And there seems to be such a gray area about the future of this team, which again, I don't give a crap about I'm paid to cover the day to day. Yes. You know, in the offseason, things of that nature, but you need to get better. And maybe this is partly, you know, on the team as well, because it seems very passive on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the ball, you know, and and I don't want to say vanilla, but it's like, where is the, the jugular, where is the, you know, the sense of urgency and, you know, after that interception was thrown Sunday, it felt literally much like it was over. And then you come back, you know, with the one thing that was working, you only ran the ball three more times after Dearness Johnson had a monster first drive. I, I just don't get the rhyme or reason, you know, in what exactly they're they're trying to do offensively. And look, no, no, they didn't take a shot play. No wide receivers aren't getting open. But you've got to take a shot just to open things up and allow thing, you know, the offense to breathe a little bit. And so this, you know, look, a lot of this comes down on Baker and, and what he can do. Uh, a ton of this certainly comes down to the you know coaching staff and what they can do. And granted, New England is a little bit of a different beast in the fact that you know they are one defense that can totally dictate to you what they are going to do. But things got to get better, and they got to get better in a hurry. And we can't just say, oh, well, Cincinnati was a great week and assume that's the way things are going to be going down the stretch.
1: Well, let me address the Baker situation first. Um, and and I'll say this publicly, and I'll say it as loudly as possible for those who apparently don't hear me and can't read with any type of comprehension on Twitter. Baker Mayfield has been disappointing. He has regressed to a degree. Some of it's due to injuries, and he's not lived up to expectations. Okay? I'm not making excuses for him. I'm telling everyone you can blame him for his poor play. Okay. now that that's out of the way, (laughs) obviously, our discussions prior to this year about an extension were premature and silly in retrospect. They were based on the expectation of continued growth, which we have not seen. Now, whether, again, that's due to the individual or uh, the injuries that have affected his situation, we don't know. And I'm not going to say or make an excuse one way or the other because he's on the field, he's playing, and he has to get do his job no, no matter what happens. So I would say at this point, Jeff, and I said this before when it came to his shoulder injury earlier, if he is not capable of doing what he needs to do on a consistent basis because of the injuries, he does not need to be on the field. Case Keenum should be starting. You're paying him as one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, backup quarterbacks in the NFL, for a reason. He's good enough, particularly against a team like Detroit, right? So looking at this situation, I will say this. Now at this point, you do, it's, you're do in wait-and-see mode. You're waiting to see if that player that we saw in year one, that we saw over the majority of last season, will ever show up again with any consistency. I'm not sure he does, and I'm not entirely sure that it's Baker Mayfield's fault. Again, yes, he has regressed. Yes, he hasn't met expectations. Yes, he needs to be better and more consistent. But, and this is the caveat I'll put on because it it circles around to this conversation. He is not the same quarterback I saw coming into the league. He is not making the same type of throws. He is not making the same type of reads. He's not making the same type of daring attempts that he was known for as the gunslinger and distributor that we saw at Oklahoma and definitely saw as a rookie. I mean, the flashes were brilliant at times. When's the last time we saw a legitimately, truly special, brilliant flash of play from Baker Mayfield? And that's, and that's the question because, and that's, what's bothersome because if you never saw it, then you can i then you can understand it right then you have Deshaun Kaiser, then you have Marcus Mariota and then you have you know those guys that were that never really became that guy that you expected but baker showed it baker looked like the best quarterback in the NFL at two points in his career so what is going on and that's what you have to and that's when you start questioning everything else. not just him yes you question him but you also question the bigger picture right So let's use the New England contest as a microcosm. Bill Belichick has faced this offense. And when I say this offense, I'm talking the wide zone created and essentially implemented by Mike Shanahan 25 years ago, (laughs) 26, 27 years ago for his entire career. He's seen it. He knows the staple plays. He knows what's coming in certain situations. He knows how to defend them. He has done everything as one of the best defensive minds in football to defend the wide zone scheme and its accompanying passing attack, right? He knows how the Browns want to play complementary football. So what does he do? He attacks those things. And when you watch the New England Patriots and you see how they play defense, they were always in position. They knew what was coming. They... The, wide receivers didn't have any opportunity whatsoever to really create any separation or to win one-on-one matchups. They knew exactly what they were doing. It was a well-coached, awesome approach by the New England Patriots, and we should give them credit for that, right? So what's the response? And that's the question. How do you work against tendencies? How do you get them on their heels? How do you answer as a coaching staff? And that was a failure Sunday. That was an utter failure by from Kevin Stefansky, or we're looking at the coordinators or whomever, right? They need to look at themselves as well and realize we need to do more. Yes, we have an identity. Yes, we have a scheme. We believe in those things. And that's perfectly fine. Every team should. But it's if you if you go and watch the San Francisco 49ers last night, which I did because I had to cover of the game, they're running the same base offense, and they're doing things that Clevelands aren't isn't doing. And it actually popped into my head, right? Because I'm watching them run a counter tray off the, <clears throat> off their base package. But who's, who's in the backfield? Debo Samuel, right? I'm like, oh, he's everything Jarvis Jar- Jar- Landry wants. <laughs> Look, that's a man, blunt, bluntly honest in that regard, and the way they're utilizing him and the way he's coming up big. You don't have that player. So utilize what you do have and try different things. And we saw that earlier, and I know Jarvis and Juice is, is banged up a little bit as well. But again, you're on the field, you need to produce, and you, they need to find ways to get the ball in the hands of people creatively and not just your typical offense. And especially, again, someone as brilliant as Bilichek, who's seen it all and has done and defended this system for a quarter century. So, look, I, that, that's kind of my, that's my, my opus. <laughs> to the entire situation when it comes to quarterback, when it comes to the offense and where this team's going it, need, it needs to it needs to evolve.
0: that is the key word here evolve at individually and as a group. And you know part of that obviously is you know you, when you get in a situation like this as a team you know offensively defensively, you know it's great to have this long expanded playbook, but it's time to start saying, all right, we need to go with what we do best. Um, not saying, oh well, I, I to I, I need this to work. Look, you're not in a position where you're eight and two, and you could lose a ball game because you're saying, oh, there's a certain part of my, fa- my, you know, certain facet of my offense I I, I want to get to, and I think this would be really big for us down the road. You can't be talking down the road right now. And two, what you're saying about Baker Mayfield, this is what I, it seems so strange for Baker Mayfield, the player we all saw at Oklahoma, that when the Browns go empty, it just looks like an absolute cluster f-brent. This is what he excelled in. This is where this is what got him a Heisman. This is what got him drafted number one overall. They go empty now and it just looks so uncomfortable.
1: Well let's point out the fact that what we see now, and he's good at certain things. Like he's his sleight of hand in the play action is phenomenal. He, he's really developed in that area. He's performed well. Um, uh, but because of the limitations and because of the way they operate offensively, you're limited in certain degrees. Okay. So Let's look at it from the injury perspective. How many boots have you seen over the last few weeks? I could probably count it on one hand how many, or at least the ones I can remember. That's a
0: big part well, there of the was offense. was even the one on the goal line on Sunday, and it looked really, really bad, but go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, he's not moving well on top of it. So I get that. I get mm-hmm. taking that out of the offense, but that is a big part of what they do. And when you take it out, it limit, further limits what you're doing, right? So, yes, you have that staple, but when you can't run that staple because you're injured or for whatever reason, then – it limits everything. Same thing with screens. How many screens did they run against the New England Patriots, right? How many times – the Cleveland Browns are the best screen offense in football. Even better than what than Andy Reid's typical screen offense right now anyways. Again, they're not utilizing it. You go five wide, you take away the play action, right? Not only are you taking away the play action, but what haven't we seen as a big part of Cleveland's offense for multiple not, – not just weeks, but multiple years. RPOs. RPOs were were a big, big part of, of Baker Mayfield's success at Oklahoma and early in his career because it allows him to do what he does, and that's make quick decisions, get the ball out with accuracy and in rhythm, and that hasn't been part of the offense. Instead, they try to do these quick hitters. They try to spread the field to create space, and it's not necessarily working because specifically in the last few weeks teams know the route combinations are going to run and they just sit on them they're not threatened by anyone because they know that the browns aren't going to press them deep and there are vertical (laughs) capabilities within the scheme we've seen them right donovan Mm -hmm. people's jones coming into this week was the number one rated wide receiver uh and and when it came to vertical or deep passing so it's the capabilities are certainly there. And this, and this goes back, right? This goes back. This isn't just right now. This is what we've seen for a couple of years now. And I, I want to go back to my comparison to the San Francisco 49ers. What makes the 49ers so brilliant and Kyle Shanahan so good at what he does, it's not that they run the outside zone better than anyone else. Because they do. He's done it since he's been with the Houston Texans offensive coordinator. But he adds little things consistently, right? To keep defenses honest. Okay, so they're not a straight outside zone team. They're not just running inside outside. They're running power schemes. They're running their motions, jet sweeps, um, screens, you know, so on and so forth. All these little, all these little nuances to the offense that make it more, ho- make it more difficult to defend, even though you know primarily what's coming because based on what they prefer to do. And that, and that's where we haven't reached yet with Kevin Stefanski. I thought we were going to, and maybe it's not his fault because of the injuries we've seen this year and not just the Baker, but also to Nick and Kareem and the wide receiver situation. So that's could be playing a factor as well, but we need to see growth there in that regard. Now that you were there for two years, once you go into three years, you have your base offense. You run it very well. Now start implementing little things to make it even more difficult to defend.
0: No, no question about it. And you know, and also you know, just start. I mean, you have to play what is the best. You know, your quarterback look, and you have you know, young wide receivers. You're breaking in here and molding. So it's not about necessarily what they need. It's about what's making best for your quarterback. We're going to get to a couple other things here with Brent before we put a bow on this one. Appreciate everybody as always for making lockdown On Browns. Your first listen, day in, day out. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Bilt Bar by now, you are certainly missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Bilt Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you were eating a candy bar. Built bars are low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar and high in protein. So all the healthy uh, all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. Another great thing about the Built bar lineup is there are so many mouth ordering flavors including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate and cherry barcia. This month Built is coming out with new limited time flavors every three, four, 3 to 4 days so check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCK Fifteen and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, and right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. One thing we haven't had here during this Kevin Stefanski regime, Brent, is some players may be talking back, talking out, you know, whether it was a Joe Batonio, whether it was a Miles Garrett, and you're know, hearing the levels of frustration from these players, um, you know, that things, A, aren't changing, things aren't getting better, or the same mistakes seem to be happening between what's being called, what's being executed. Um, you never want it to get to this point, but sometimes this isn't the worst thing in the world for a football team where everybody kind of has to take the onus on themselves, whether it's coaches whether it's players, of what they're doing, how they're going about doing it, and how everybody needs to basically rally and write and get on the same page.
1: I was looking real quick when you brought this up for the quote last week from Joe Woods. <laughs> I, know exactly which one. I literally just stared at it, blinking. You know, I was like one of those GIFs you see where you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't believe that it was actually said publicly, and that <clears throat> give me one second. I'm I'm trying to get through roll through my timeline, and we know how cluttered that can become along the way when it comes to game days. But essentially, it breaks down to he realized that they needed to make change changes defensively, and it just came to that realization right against the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, apparently that realization wasn't an epiphany by any means because he went right back to what they tend to do (laughs) against the New England Patriots. And that's problematic. And that's an issue. I I get the approach in theory. I understand it. The NFL is trending to lighter boxes. You want your guys to win one-on-one matchups up front and capabilities of dropping more into coverage. So you slow offenses and try to force them in mistakes, right? This is what... Brandon Staley has brought to the NFL that everyone is now trying to emulate and and do so to varying degrees of success. But that's not necessarily who Cleveland is, right? You have to adjust to your the to, to the available talent. That's what good coaches do. And I I waited for a while to really judge Joe Woods because last year clearly they didn't have the pieces in place. They 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 were not able to implement a full and effective defensive scheme based on Every position and where who was playing at those at those spots. Now they do. There is talent at all three levels, right? And you got Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa back. Um, you you hit with him healthy it makes you more <clears throat> makes you more versatile as a scheme overall. And the fact they went back to softer coverage, the fact that they allowed a rookie quarterback to s- just stand back there and pick them apart, and look, Mac Jones is good. He damn good. But the fact of the matter is, he was comfortable all day long. And he got the ball out quickly. And he had made easy throws. And now he made some great throws too. But the majority of them were <laughs> weren't with weren't him threading the needle down the seam for a touchdown. Right. Now that was a great, great throw. And you gotta give all the credit in the world to him. But not everyone was like that. It's not like he came out and played hero ball and looked like Patrick Mahomes. No. He looked like Tom Brady light. That's exactly what he did. That's the way they utilized him. He is a cog in the machine. And that's, that's a compliment. That's not, that's not me ripping him. He's a perfect fit for what new England does. And he executes what they ask of him. And that's what you ask from the quarterback position. That's what you want. So the lack of aggressiveness, the lack of adjustments, the lack of just using a similar formula to the week you did before, when you throttled your your division rival makes no goddamn sense to me. Excuse me, but it doesn't. When you're, yeah. I'm sorry. It's just it's flustering because what do we said all year that their statistics are the most misleading in football on that side of the ball, right? Yeah, they're top five defensively. Who gives a shit? You're not stopping anyone in key situations, and you're losing games because of it. Not only are you losing games, you're being embarrassed because you can't properly defend a rookie quarterback, a damn good rookie quarterback, but a rookie quarterback who was never really threatened at any point in that game. That's, that is inexplicable. It is. You cannot get worse than that. And to me as a professional, That's why you see and hear these things publicly. Look, you can do the same things with Joel and stuff like that, but I think the real onus lies here on the defense because we know what the issues are offensively, and a lot of it has to do with injuries. That's not the case on defense. They got horses to win games, and they're not doing it. And that's what's disappointing when you watch the Browns on a week by week basis because you just don't know which part of the shitty
0: defense is going to show up. And the thing for me is, you know, you you look at what they did against Cincinnati, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins maybe even Tyler Boyd. All of them maybe more athletic, overall maybe better wide receivers than any wide receiver New England had. But you allow them to play comfortable like they did. I just don't understand how you say we got to go uber aggressive from these against these guys who could slice and dice us and you know Chase had done it to everybody in the NFL up until that point. T. Higgins solid player. And, and then you go into this one and so, like like you cower away from it and well and then the other question of this would be Brent then what's the point of having a Denzel Ward, who you're probably looking to extend further, the point of spending a number one overall pick on Greg Newsom, having a Greedy Williams, having A.J. Green, having these these other three cornerbacks, corners besides Denzel Ward, long cornerbacks, long arms. The whole purpose of these guys is to get them in these positions where they can use this length and then just say, no, and just basically say, we're going to play zone and we're going to get dictated to when we don't really have We have an elite D line as far as pass rush, but we're going to put it in a position where we're just, you know, we're not going to make the quarterback wait. He's just going to, you know, there's the window, ball's gone, and I've beaten you. Yeah.
1: Defensive has to be a cohesive approach, and it's 100% true. There's arguments out there, and I've read the articles about which is more important, a pass rush or coverage. And And Bill Belichick even talked about it this week. So I get that point of view. But at the same time, if if the onus falls too much and sways too far to one side or the other, you're not going to be effective, right? If you can cover an extended period of time, and now look, covering an extended period of time in the NFL is like five, six seconds. (laughs) If you can cover that long, then your defensive front's better. If your defensive front can create pressure consistently. It helps with coverage on the back end. So, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, maybe you lean more one way than the other. I get all that. But at the same time, you can't allow teams to get comfortable and give them easy plays on a down-by-down basis. It's not just like it's once or twice, literally on a down-by-down basis. You got guys playing five to seven yards off, quick little hitters out wide, or slants, just easy types of throws for, for professional quarterbacks. And when you see the Cleveland Browns, you, you have two things to fear really, one and a half, one and a half things to fear Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, depending on how he's performing that way. From there, you're not worried about anyone because you know they're not being put in a position to be aggressive and consistently make plays. And that's including Obusu Kormo. That's including, um, you know, the safeties that have talent, whether we're talking, you know, all three of them now granted Ronnie Harrison's made mistakes this year, but they they can make plays, right? (laughs) You have, you have talent at cornerback with a lot of investments. Now, granted they're banged up. Grady's out. AJ Green suffered a concussion. I get that as well, but you need to be more than miles Garrett. You can't, assume he's going to do everything because quite frankly he's essentially dominated or played better than everyone on the field every game this season and it hasn't mattered and it hasn't mattered because they found ways to negate him based on the rest of the way your defense is playing new england did this perfectly It was beautiful from if you just from a a game planning standpoint, if you appreciate good football and teams being prepared properly, I always refer to it as the Mario Williams treatment. Do you remember how Mario Williams was treated at North Carolina State? You could you went that entire final season on campus and people were yelling at me. He's not putting up numbers. He's not that good. He's not worth the number one overall pick. Guess what? Watch the games. They're doing everything in their power to avoid him. He is affecting the game by doing literally nothing just by being on the field. That's what, that's what miles Garrett's doing right now. And it's not enough because the rest of the team isn't picking up the slack. And it's, it's unfortunate because he's in the middle of what could be a defensive player of the year season. And it's not even close to what the team needs to be better on defense. I don't give, again, I could. You can spout stats, not you particularly, sir, but anyone. You can spout stats at me all day long about how good this defense is, and I'm just going to laugh in your face because it's never been good at any point. There was like two games, literally two games. One was against a rookie in his very first start, and guess what? Matt Nagy did everything he could to sabotage that young man based on game plan, and you showed up against Cincinnati. Woohoo! It didn't work the week later, so
0: <laughs> you're right back to square one. And this is where it even gets funny because there was a prime example of it. You know, New England ran a play. I'm sorry. New, uh, Browns ran a play and New England's pass rushers got free. Browns, you make the right play. What do you do? You go right after the spot where the pass rush comes from. But what did the Patriots do? Rolled people to the open area. It, like for the Browns not to have this understanding to do this. Look, you know, Miles is going to win a hell of a lot more than he loses. So guess what? Obviously they're going to try to get the ball to that now wide vacated area where Miles just blew by somebody. And, there there's nobody there wearing white or brown and it's just extremely, extremely frustrating. And obviously you know, onus is going to be, and look, you know, for Joe Woods, you know, if, if you're asking me today, Joe was going to be back in 2022, obviously not. um, Cause you can make the excuses in 20 for, you know, not having anything in the kitchen. Um, He's got everything in the kitchen here. And it's, you know, I mean, we're getting, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches, you know, six out of seven nights a week, certainly just not good enough. He is Brent Soboleski from Bleacher Report. I uh, do want to extend out a happy anniversary to uh, Brent and his wife, 15 years. Um, it's crazy, bud. Uh, I got 17 under my belt, 15 for you guys. Uh, it's amazing how quickly it literally all goes by, bro.
1: No, thank you very much. Uh, I'll say this publicly. My wife's the much better half. She's far more talented. Obviously, I love her bunches, and, and she's a beautiful woman that is a wonderful mother. Uh, so... And let me get personal for a second. Let me, let me while we, we finish this up, because we have very little time, but I, I want to say this. And I if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be here talking with you. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but in my 20s, I su- suffered from severe depression and anxiety attacks, okay? While I was trying to figure out who I was as a person, she was that rock. She was the one that you know, kept a steady job. She was the one that was always doing the things that were necessary to keep us together, right? And eventually things worked out for me. And I think they worked out pretty well. And I'm very proud of that fact. Um, I, I, I admitted I had a problem. I addressed it. But she told me to my face one time, she goes, I didn't understand what you're going through. And I almost left you, but she didn't. And we're stronger now because of it. And I, I think it speaks to her character and how strong he is. She is now 15 years later. Uh, being married we've been together since we were 18 we get to go for vegas for three days and get away from everything and just enjoy ourselves
0: good for you good for you and everybody look you need that rock in your life and sometimes you got to be that rock for somebody else this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound lgb on the lob let's go browns